Hello, church family. If you have your Bibles, um, please open to Nehemiah chapter 6. Uh, we're going to go through this particular chapter as we walk through uh, verse by verse and chapter by chapter through this book. <clears throat> by way of introduction, I do want to just start by uh, sharing a little story. When I was uh, in seminary um, a few years ago, uh, there was a TV show that came out uh, called, uh, I think it's called Preachers of LA or Pastors of LA or something like that. Um, and it was a documentary uh, that, well, it's not really a documentary, it's like one of those, like, rea- I guess it's a documentary, documentary slash reality show based on these pastors of LA. And uh, each one of these pastors that they chose, there's like four different pastors, and every single one of them are prosperity preachers. Uh, they were just trying to tell people what it takes to make millions, and they use the gospel as a way to peddle, um, they peddled the gospel really for them to be able to make a whole bunch of money and I remember around the time one of my non-believer friends contacted me and he's like he you know the show is like a really big deal there's a lot of promotion for it and he asked me he's like hey is this why you want to be a pastor did you want to be a pastor so you can be rich because if that was the case I should be a pastor too and I was like looking at it oh it was like online t- conversation I was like well first of all what they're teaching is not the gospel and second you have to kind of be a Christian first, at least by profession, like by your proclamation that you're a Christian before you can actually be a Christian pastor, even if the pastor is like a false teacher. But there's something about uh, the way that the devil works in the context of the church and that he sometimes would use individuals that can have the right titles like pastors or Christians, and yet teach something that is contrary and cause confusion and, and division and disarray in the church. Uh, now, we obviously, in our church, we, we know the difference between a prosperity preacher and um, a true uh, Bible-teaching uh, pastor, uh, but sometimes, uh, and it will come a day where even in our camp of reform theology, that there will be people in that camp that will sway us away, uh, or will attempt to try to sway people away. Back in recent times, there were a lot more reformed teachers that have um, some denied the faith, others have uh, changed their message uh, over time to try to fit more of a modern day thing. Uh, I'm just thinking about people like Josh Harris, you know, they, at one point that he was telling people to, to uh, uh, you know, be pure and holy and godly and save from sexual sin, and now he's um, just living a life of debauchery. Uh, and, and you know, there's even other pastors that start off so well, but and but didn't even finish at all. And, um, and that's just the reality, and the unfortunate reality of living in a fallen world and trying to be a church. That there's sometimes infiltration that comes inside the church from its leaders, and those are the ones that are gonna have stricter judgment. But yet, some people don't care. They're the ones that are using. God's word for their own gain. Uh, again, this is not new. In the New Testament time, these individuals that were trying to do the same thing with Paul uh, in Second Corinthians, in particular, was all these false teachers that crept into the church and trying to sway the people from listening to true teaching. In this particular chapter, we're going to see that. We're going to see these leaders and uh, prominent individuals that are trying to sway the people of God from doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, they, they want to f- cause different, use different tactics to try to um, get people uh, from being obedient to the Lord. Uh, and usually I kind of give the outline at the end, but today I want to give the outline at the beginning. Um, the, the outline is this, that, that how the devil 
divides the church? How does the devil cause people to deny the faith or to leave, divide the church in, in, in the context of church or, or make them leave the faith altogether? So there's three ways. The devil uses fear, the devil uses truth, and the devil even uses politics. So, with that said, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, to buy to Gershom, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, and Sanballat and Gershom sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together at uh, Cherifim in the plain of Ono. And they were, uh, but they were planning to harm me. So Nehemiah was almost done. He he says done generally is like 99%. The only thing that's missing is is a door, and that's usually the last thing that you would fix because otherwise, or the last thing you build, otherwise you might lock yourself out. So that's usually the last thing that gets uh, put into to complete. And he's just saying he's almost done. And as a people, the enemies of God hurt this. They were they wanted to um, ambush. Uh, Nehemiah, so these people say, hey, let's meet at this one place, and he knew, just discerning what's going on, um, that he that this was like almost like a, as an ambush. You know, he's trying to like trap them, and you know, it's like one of those mob movies, like, hey, why don't you meet me in the back alley? And then you know, the mobsters go and then they beat him up, and that's kind of what's what's what I envisioned was going on, and um, this is uh, Nehemiah's, you know, response in a way, uh, verse three. So I sent messenger to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why? Should the work stop while I have, while while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messengers to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. So they kept sending messengers and just playing like telephones, like, "Hey, you should come down. Yeah, let's hang out. Let's talk about this." And they're like, "No." Uh, verse five. Then Samuel sent his servants to me the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So what this means is like open letter. It's not just that he. Um, it's like the letter was open and he's walking around with like a loose leaf paper but open letter means that other people read can read it too he's walking around other people reading this and they're saying hey uh these people want to meet you and uh in it in it verse six and it was written it was reported among the nations in uh, gashmu says that you and the jews are planning to rebel therefore you're rebuilding the wall and you are to be their king according to these reports you have appointed prophets to proclaim in jerusalem concerning you a king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let's take counsel together. So again, uh, they're trying to use this um, this little letter, and it's almost like a tabloid. It's, it's, it's filled with lies as a way to try to get people um, afraid, and at the same time, it's trying to get uh, Nehemiah to defend himself. Like, hey, uh, there's this accusation against you. Let's meet out back and talk about it. And again, Nehemiah sees straight through all of that. Uh, verse 8, Then I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. So he again, he, he discerns that they just want to kill him, or, uh, and and um, he doesn't. He sees right through it. Uh, verse nine: For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Verse ten: When I entered to the house of Semariah, the son of Deliah, the son of Methabel, who was confined at home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you and they are coming to kill you at night. So this individual, this um, the, the, Nehemiah enters them and it seems to be that this person is some sort of prophet or some sort of religious figure. Um, he tells them, hey, uh, they're going to kill you. Why don't you hide inside the temple 
particularly uh, you know, in the temple. Uh, they won't kill you there. You're safe there because usually the people that could only go in there are the priests. So uh, they know Nehemiah is not a priest. So it's like, hey, if you go in there, that's the last place they'll look for you. But yet, look at how Nehemiah responds, verse 11. But I said, should a man like me flee, and could one such as I go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. So Nehemiah understands the Levitical law, that the only people that could go in is the priest, the great high priest in particular. He, Nehemiah, is not, again, he's not a priest or a prophet. He's just a politician, and he knows that he needs to honor the Lord in every single way. He doesn't care so much about his own protection, because he knows that God will protect him. See, so he doesn't hide, but he stands firm. He knows like what's going on. He knows that um, that this is a trap. Verse 12, Then I perceive that surely God has not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambal has hired him. So he's able to <coughs> hear and to deduce based on some of the stuff he's saying that like this guy, well, again, this, this is a Jewish person, was bought out. This is kind of like a... Uh, like a traitor within, he was he 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 was bought out. He was um, he was hired. I said that they hired him to do this particular task, uh, so that um, you know that they can hurt him. Verse thirteen. He was hired for this reason that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin, so that they might have an evil porn order that they could approach. They could reproach me. So they wanted to trick Nehemiah to go into the temple. And, and to scare him, you know, scare him to go into the temple in hopes that people say, oh, look, Nehemiah, he's breaking God's law. He claims that he's a man of God. He claims to follow all of God's rules. But you look at him, he's inside the temple doing something that he's not supposed to do. And all of this is a sham because he doesn't care about God or he or his people. He only cares about himself. Uh, and that's what he was trying. That's what these people were trying to do to Nehemiah. But Nehemiah does not do that. Verse 14, remember Oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs, and also Niodai, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. Again, there's a plurality of these prophets that are trying to um, make Nehemiah fall. They're, they're, these are, again, these are people in, these are people outside, leaders outside and leaders within, trying to sway Nehemiah to fall into reproach. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month Elihu in the 52 days. So this is around October 2nd, 445 BC. And again, it took 52 days for them to build this, which is an amazing time. Um, I think there's, I'll share the story. Uh, one time when I was uh, uh, at, at you know, Grace Church, uh, they were building this, um, they were trying to reconstruct the seminary library, like the downstairs area. And it was designed to, they wanted, the, the original designers wanted to make it look a certain way. And uh, one, after dude MacArthur came in and he saw it, he didn't like it. And he said, okay, we need to change this, this, and this, and to change it something else. And within the week, the whole thing was just completely redone. It was just amazing how fast they were able to change things uh, when, you know, the, when, when, when the boss shows up. And I think that's mainly because when people are driven by something, they could accomplish great things. And in this context, the people were driven uh, by the glory of God to be able to um, you know, rebuild the, the, the walls, and they did it, and they did so in 52 days. Um, yeah, this is an amazing feat, and it's designed to show God's uh, sovereign hand in all things. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So the enemies here, there's a, there's a what we call um, a dramatic, or not dramatic, like a, 
a, a, a great reversal in a sense. Because um, remember, th throughout this entire chapter, even before, the enemies of God were trying to get uh, strike fear in the Jew in the Jews, and um, but now when they see that the temple, that the whole wall is completed, they became fearful, and they can't help but acknowledge the fact that God was actually behind them. But I don't think it's it's implied that they they recognize it, but they they don't express it out loud because they're not worshippers of Yahweh afterwards. They still held on to uh, their hatred towards the Jews, although they acknowledge that the, the God that God is on their hand. Now, for them, it could be th they're thinking in terms of like a general God, like a supernatural deity is helping them. Uh, they're not worshippers of God. They're just saying that God helped them. And then that brought them to fear. Verse 17, And in those days many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letter came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to them, because he was uh, the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arab, and his son Jehonah had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Bechariah. So there's some sort of political slash marriage commit, um, commitments in, in this relationship that, well, with these Jewish people that make them kind of like they're in between two worlds. Uh, on one hand, their relational, their relationship with outsiders make them like have this connection with them. They want to listen to them at the same time because they're Jewish. They also want to plea with Nehemiah and hope that he will stop. So these, there are these kind of what we in New Testament terms what could be called we would call lukewarm. Uh, they were they they have one foot in one world and another foot in another. And uh, verse 19, moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and poured my words to them. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So again, these individuals were, were trying to play both of them. Uh, but, but really, they were just, they're being played by both. Nehemiah is trying to use these people to, to counter Tobiah and the enemies. And Tobiah tried to use them to get information from Nehemiah. And all of this is intended... Um, it's like a little like mind game to, to, for them with both sides. Um, and Nehemiah, he sees it. He sees straight through it. He's not afraid. He just continues to entrust himself with the Lord. All the enemy just keep coming um, and, and from every angle, from, from outside, from leaders within, and even uh, relational, um, relation, like, uh, like personal relationships and connections that they have with other people in the Jewish camp. So these are ways in which the devil can do the same type of harm in our church. Uh, the devil uses fear, the devil uses truth, and the devil uses politics. So uh, with that said, uh, that's going to be the outline for us this week. I'll explain, I'll, I'll review this throughout the week, explain how we as Christians can um, fight the schemes of the devil. We're called in Ephesians chapter 6 to, to guard ourselves with the armor of God, uh, not so that we can you know, fight like physically, uh, physical things, but we're, we're called to be discerning to to destroy the the plans and schemes of the devil uh, using God's word, using the knowledge of God. We could able to where we would be able to, to f uh, know what the devil is doing and be able to resist the devil's works. So I hope that if this will be helpful for you this week as you think about us potentially returning to the church soon uh, and um, just knowing how we can continue to honor the Lord and being able to discern uh, our times because I think more so now than it was even six months ago, uh, there's a way more um, opposition towards Christians and some are from outside and some are even from within. And I trust that if you, as you understand these principles well, you can guard yourself from these deceptions. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you.